Good afternoon and welcome to Lunch Lunches with me, Kim Abritz, proudly powered by leadershipbydesign.co, where we aim to add value to people's lives. You can listen to us live every Wednesday and Thursday at lunchtime on Ebers Radio and on all your major podcast channels today. If you are seeing this or listening to this, I want to challenge you to add value to someone's lives today. We certainly need more people in the world to add value and uh, value to others' lives and be kinder to one another. And with that said, back with us to chat about the work and industry neutral growth skills based on the book that I've written, The Future of Work is Human. We have co-owner and director of uh, Range, uh, co-owner and director of Range. <laughs> we only could see her. Leonie, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Kevin. How are you today? Well, you can hear yeah, the, the rugby has had a profound effect on my voice. And, okay. But I'm here, I'm ready, and uh, I'm happy that we, I mean, we, we've kicked some butt. Uh, I think we're going to have to pull out some stops for, for New Zealand, but I think, um, you know, we, we're still winning at life, so, and that's a good thing. It, it gives a nice, it gives the country a feeling, a good feeling when we, you know, because we all pull together and everybody is just happy that we're winning. Yeah, so that's it's a, it's a nice sport, eh? Absolutely. I mean, we, we kicked England's butts on in the rugby and the cricket. So, like, we're <laughs> doing well. So then we, um, in the last couple of months, we've been chatting about the work and industry neutral growth skills, and one of those being what is social intelligence. So I just thought, I, yeah, I'm going to look at look at Wikipedia to give us sort of a preface of what it, you know what the social intelligence really means. Um, and it is the ability to understand your own and others' actions. Social intelligence is learned and develops from experience with people and learning from success and failures in social settings. It's an important interpersonal skill that helps individuals succeed in all aspects of their lives. And this is one of the reasons why we, you know, it's part of the, 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 the future of work um, and <clears throat> also the wings concept as one of those primary skills because you know, it is an interpersonal skill where individuals can succeed. And, it, it, you know, you learn from by doing that, you learn on how to gauge, um, how you can influence people, how you can, uh, you know, uh, sort of gauge what the setting is. Um, and it becomes a very important skill to, to really empower yourself in the future of work. Because we know that, you know, AI is doing a wonderful job at trying to disconnect us and keep us in silos. And, and we tend to, just out of being, you know, habit-formed behavior, we tend to work in silos. But yet we know that for, for the future of work to exist, for us to really step into a powerful way of really understanding what we're doing in an environment, we're going to need social intelligence as a primary skill. It's going to absolutely be one of those skills that, that help us in the future. What is what is it? from your perspective that you want to sort of share with the conversation about the conversation today yeah you know <clears throat> social intelligence or like i call it playing nicely in the sandpit um is like you say really critical for us going forward um, in this day and age and it's not new um it is critically important um it is also one of the themes that i coach probably apart from self-development and self awareness i i coach around social intelligence um because i want to leave my organization because i don't like my boss or my managers like like this or like that or i can't work with my peer um at the end of the day when we step into the workplace when we step into life actually 
um, no man is an island. And there's so many cliches that pops up in my head when I speak about this theme, but no man is an island. And ultimately, we need the ability to be able to work with others, especially in business going forward. We need to really um, get fit at social intelligence as human beings. And, and that's why I love the, 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 <clears throat> the title of your book, which is, you know, the, the future of work is human. It really places the emphasis on us stepping up, building fitness, really getting good at being human again, connecting and working together. Um, how often do we step into the workplace as a specialist or we get appointment to do a specific, because we're good in a specific skill? Um, and we've mentioned that that remains critically important. Whatever your skill is, you really need to continue growing and improving that skill so that you can stand out. But then on top of that is at some point or other, you're going to get promoted to the point where you become a manager or you have peers um, or you need to work with other teammates. And your ability to be able to work together really um, is what sets us apart and will contribute to your success in your career um, or in your business, right? Critically, critically important. And the second thing for me that really comes up here, and we're going to speak about that one next time, but you said it so nicely in that um, introduction and what is social intelligence um, and that is the ability to know self because this goes hand in hand if i'm not able to regulate myself if i'm not able to understand myself if i'm not able to see if someone presses my buttons or someone triggers me it's actually got nothing to do with that person but it's got everything to do with me and this is an opportunity for me to grow and learn from whatever comes up in this relationship um, you will continue taking things personally. You will continue playing victim, blaming and shaming others. Um, and you really won't grow. So self-awareness, critically, um, individual growth and development, critically important for us to be able to get really fit and really good at social intelligence. So those are the two key things, Kevin, when we speak about this, that pops up for me. I think also, you know, one of the things that when you when we mention social intelligence and we, we say, you know, part of part of that growth and part of that uh, that awareness that we need to have, people often say, yes, but I'm shy. I'm awkward. I, I'm not a social person. I, you know, tapping into that is very difficult for me. And 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 uh, and part or, you know, foundationally to that, you know, if you really dig a little bit deeper, it could be a limiting beliefs position that you're coming from, mm. right? So, um, you know, I, you and I both are quite, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you and I both are introverts, right? But by, by nature, mm. <laughs> we like our own time. We like being quiet. We like spending downtime. Mm. It, but but yet our jobs require us to step into it, you know. So the thing is, so how come certain people can do it and certain people can't, right? And I always go back to, well, is there a core limiting belief that's really stifling that for you? Because intrinsically, I am a shy person. I'm, you know, when I'm not working, when I'm not in my work capacity, I I won't go and put myself out there. I I don't, I just don't, I, I, I like being alone. I'm always wearing sunglasses and earphones and a hat. So everyone leaves me alone. You know, I try and <laughs> my nonverbal communication <laughs> is in, is really telling you, please don't speak to me. Right. 
Um, but in a work capacity, you kind of have to go, okay, do I have a limiting belief? And limiting beliefs, guys, it's a whole big conversation, but they, you know, we cover it in the book as well. There's an actual way that you can start reframing and readjusting a limiting belief and regaining what it is you'd like to actually believe about yourself. So I think, you know, standing in the way of social intelligence, often we, it, it's, a, it's an internalized dialogue that we simply have, um, and it's, it may not necessarily be true. I love that you bring that up because it's so, so true. Um, you know, I call it one of those, and, and sorry if I step out tones, but this is where we have real conversations. I often call this the excusitis. So I'm an introvert and therefore I can't do uh, a networking event. Um, and I, I'm an introvert, so I can't do these um, social gatherings or I can't do the meetings or I can't, I can't stand up um, and speak in front of people because I'm an introvert um, or because I'm shy. <clears throat> the fact of the matter is that Yes, we all have different personality traits and personality types. Um, it is really extremely valuable when you use that as a, a guiding tool to understand yourself better, not to use that as an excuse, but to use that as a tool to understand where are your strengths and where are the areas that you are not so, strength, so strong, where are your blind spots, where are your opportunities for growth. So, for example, um, you know, as an introvert working with people the entire week, um, I had to really sit with my family um, and 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 carve up a plan so that there isn't a weekend a time for me to recharge because all it means to be an introvert is I charge by myself. I don't charge with people. Um, and I had to really understand what understood what that meant for me and what that needed to look like um, and then educate the people around me to allow myself that space and then become di disciplined in myself to allow myself the space to recharge so that I could fully um, show up for my clients. I also currently, for example, playing around with how I structure my, my day and how much time I spend working by myself and working with others. Um, so when you start utilizing and understanding your personality types, and there's so many um, different amazing personality archetyping systems out there these days, um, if you utilize that to understand yourself better so that you can self-regulate and self-manage to be able to show up better for others, then it becomes valuable. But the second you start using it as an excuse as to why you can't, I'm sorry, you're playing victim, right? Um, and that's exactly what social intelligence speaks to. How am I managing and regulating myself to be able to show up and play nicely in the sand, but to be able to be with others? Um, and all of us have got our strengths and all of us have our, our limitations. And it's just about really understanding those um, and managing those. What are you putting in place for yourself? For example, I'm working with a client currently who really, really challenges, um, has to challenge herself to be able to step, stand up in a room and speak in front of um, colleagues. It is, <clears throat> she almost goes into a panic attack. But we are working on practical tools to be able to support her to be able to do that. We are looking at what are the limiting beliefs that she's, you know, bought into that's holding her back into that place where she can't. Um, and it's so empowering to to view this individual really stepping into her power and being able to be the master of her own destiny and overcome those challenges, overcome those limiting beliefs to be able to show up in this work environment um, as the true leader that she is, right? And, and that is, for me, what social intelligence means. 
it, we need to be responsible and take accountability for how we show up for others so that we can work together towards the goal, right? Um, work to get together towards the greater good, what, whatever that looks like in your environment. Now, another, uh, some of the points, if we, if we sort of unpack it just a little bit as well, you know, some of the points we, we, we previously discussed was having empathy. And yeah. I think, you know, having empathy very often, we, and in, in NLP, we use this presupposition uh, plainly, plainly sort of coined as you do not know someone's, uh, do you know their map or do you know their territory? And that simply in, in, in layman's terms means, do you take things for face value or do you take the time to actually understand what the territory is? What do you understand the person really and, and really have the empathy to see where they're coming from and, and without judgment, right? Because very, we, we often go into social settings because we, we may essentially be different. We may essentially have a different set of values and beliefs and we in instinctively just go there with a bit of judgment. Um, and the moment you take judgment out of the equation and come with empathy and come with another one we have is curiosity, yeah. we, we in intrinsically change how we experience the social setting. And when you, when you come there to observe and ask critical questions so that, you know, other people start talking so that they, and people love talking about themselves. So, you know, when you're like, so how are you? How's your daughter? How's your kids? How's this? How's... And people will, they will divulge. And essentially, by just being able to be comfortable with making it comfortable for them to talk about themselves, you immediately create a social intelligent setting so that it becomes a safe space for people to share. And I think that's what people, you know, a good, a good entry to social intelligence is having empathy and curiosity. Those two are immediate ones that I think stand out for me. What are some of the ones that, that you would add to that? Yeah, curiosity, sure, powerful one, hey? Um, a curiosity for me, and I want to pause there a little bit. Thank you for bringing that in. Um, curiosity allows us to leave ego at the door, that judgment that you spoke to, because we, you know, we view, view the world, we view people through our lens. Um, and when we become curious, we open up to learning and understanding. We open up to, to empathy. So when we step into a room with individuals wearing our lens and looking at them from our perspective, we will, well, we, we probably will be judging harshly. Um, but when we step into the room curiously to understand, curiously to learn, curiously to find solutions, curiously to find a way to work together. Um, I think it's such a such a small world word, but I, I find it so powerful and, and really supporting us as a powerful tool to be able to improve our social intelligence, where we step into the room with an individual and we ask to listen and to learn and to, you know, to, to understand versus um, that, that critical judgment. Um, <clears throat> with that also, I think it's important, um, and I keep on focusing a little bit on self today as we're speaking about social intelligence. Um, and if I can be very blunt, may I? <laughs> yes, be blunt. Like it needs to you know, we need to own our shit. And it, it, it really is as simple as that. Um, it's it's, it's the, the preciousness about things. 
um, when we have conversations with individual and we listen to feedback, but what we're hearing is criticism and now we start taking things personally, uh, when actual fact it was just feedback. Um, and, and I think that is probably one of the big, big, big themes that we often address when we're working with teams um, is the ability to give honest and real feedback because often people struggle to give feedback because they they believe the other person might perceive it as criticism and then feel hurt um so then they withhold feedback which by itself is devastating in a business you know how the hell is people supposed to learn and grow and know when they're doing something right or wrong or know when they they're good at something or they're really crappy at some something if there's no feedback so people withholding feedback um, is a is a is a is a huge problem, and then the other one is receiving feedback as criticism, and our ability to to be able to listen to feedback and hear it as feedback is is it's so valuable, because then what starts happening is we start working together towards the solution, um, versus being all precious about my feelings and what people are saying about me, um, yeah. and I'm you know playing this up a little bit. I'm not me intending to be disrespectful at all it is really a, a, a big theme um, around <clears throat> conflict resolution conflict resolution in business and feedback growth and development of individuals um, and this is a, a key aspect of social intelligence and in my opinion is is our ability to own our stuff to be able to work together towards the common goal in the organization and the ability to give feedback for feedback you know, which is playing the ball, not the person, and our ability to receive feedback and understanding that that is a gift for us to learn and grow from and improve and to not see it as something that is hurtful and negative and, and, and gets us just to spiral down. Yeah, you know, another one I think that's, that, also, that also really becomes a tool, and this is something I think, because it's something I often do, but I think it's something that needs to be practiced is, situational awareness you know and you have to see the context and the content of the situation so mm -hmm. when, when you're in the social setting understand what context if you're in a bar um you know and everyone's drinking that's probably not the best place for you to talk about a very serious conversation or religion or <laughs> you know like politics it's you yeah. have Situation. It's that old saying of read the room. <laughs> easy, right? yeah. um, but again, that, you know, in a, in a work context, um, you have to kind of go, cool, you know, we are here to do a job, but yeah. do I know the people enough to be able, uh, you know, but, you know, throw in a joke or two or have a bit of fun, but be situationally aware so that you understand that you understand the people in the room and you are more aware of uh, how to conduct yourself in a way that is conducive to the situation because it's context and content that you really have to be you know understand yeah. um but another one that's that that i think that i just want to mention is uh we also need to look at our own confidence right and confidence in itself and i think and i i i bring this conversation in often with people because we Confidence is not something you can just generally see people have or don't have. And sometimes we assume when someone is able to talk that sometimes they, they come across as arrogance, right? And the quickest way to, to sort of really understand what confidence is made up of 
Albert Bandura, a, a, um, a behavioral psychologist, once you know unpacked this a bit through through psychology and said, if we look at confidence, we look at the self-efficacy and self self-talk, and how those two really work hand in hand with building and cultivating confidence. So when you when you cultivate confidence with yourself in yourself around how effective you are and what you're, how you're actually speaking to yourself. When those two are working hand in hand, you're able to be a little bit more socially intelligent. And it allows you to sort of step into a role and step into an environment where you are required to maybe be socially intelligent, right? And I think confidence very, very often is, is understated. And um, <clears throat> but sometimes people, because they don't get it right or they don't understand it well enough, they get they get confidence quite wrong um, and they can come across as quite arrogant. Um, but then there's also the and that's why, again, you need you need to lead with curiosity and empathy, because sometimes, you know, because I might have a confidence issue, I might see someone else as arrogant. And that perception that I have of the person could be a reflection of my own uh, inabilities or limitations that I'm projecting onto this person based on the fact that I don't feel confident, but yet this person walks in there and they just have 110 things to say. And, you know, we go into that place, right? But again, bringing it back to social intelligence, if if I'm not, again, uh, aware of the situation and awareness of what that plays out and where, where my strengths and weaknesses are, like you were just saying, then I'm in, I, I intrinsically will 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 stumble and I will be the one you know struggling in that situation, based on the fact that um, I might not have the confidence, but I also don't have the social awareness of how this is playing out in real time for myself. So social intelligence is I mean it's a very very broad conversation, um, but it's a very important one I think. Um, <clears throat> I love what you brought in there. I cannot agree with you more because it speaks to really that knowing self, understanding self, the ability to place yourself in the situation, read, this, this, read the situation, um, own your own stuff, not take things personally, being able to wear when people press your buttons is actually not to do with, with them, it's everything to do with you. Um, and to be able to recognize that and take responsibility for that, the ability to be able to listen to hear, have that empathy, be curious. I, I think that really brings it actually also beautifully together, um, how you've positioned that. Um, Kevin, you've also mentioned to me in a previous time when we spoke about this, uh, the, the role that the six human needs plays within your social intelligence. Won't you unpack that for us as well, please? Yeah, I think, you know, because it's it's such a useful tool, and because when you when you really start understanding the human uh, sort of the core fundamentals of what uh, what humans really need, I think when you understand what certainty, variety, significance, love, and connection, growth, and contribution add to an in, uh, to to a, the situational awareness, is very often. You know, people in, in a social setting, someone could be asking a lot of questions and intrinsically you can go, what the hell, why, why are you asking? Is this like, a, is this an interview? What are you doing? Right. But it's essentially what could be important for that person is creating a lot of certainty. Right. And they just, because they might not be sure of what the situation is, what's happening in the situation or the project or the whatever it is, is they ask a lot of questions, but certainty could be really, really high on the list of things 
or their list of needs for themselves, right? It's also, you know, um, when when people have um, when people have a really great kind of suggestion of wanting to do something different, and very often we kind of try and box things and steer things into a certain category and say, well, this is how we normally do things, and we never step out of that that sort of uh, box that we used to. But again, um, what that does afford us is wonderful variety. And as humans, in a different, and we know this, you know, there's such, uh, so much science and behavior to support this, that when people are in a different environment, it affects how we believe and what we think about whatever we're discussing, right? So your environment can dictate the, the ability to think around information. Um, we look at significance, you know, when you have a high need for significance, um, you know, for me, I know significance is high for me based on the fact that I do the work that I do because I want I want to know that I've left some kind of legacy and I've made a difference to people's lives. And I feel quite significant when I know that I've heard that someone's gone through a coaching process with me and they're just achieving things that we didn't even dream up of. You know, that makes me feel really significant. And um, but also in a in a social setting, you know, when you when you're with your friends and your friends exclude you from something, then they make you feel insignificant, right? Um, but it also ties back into love and connection. We love and connection is, uh, we as humans, we need love and connection, you know? So if you tie that back to social intelligence, uh, we, we are not islands. We do not function wonderfully well in a, a solo capacity. In, the, in context, uh, in certain things we might, right? But as a, as a holistic human and someone who's really interested in growing themselves and being a whole, uh, taking a holistic approach to their lives, love and connection is, is a very important need that we need for the people who, we, who are closest to us. And being part of groups and being part of social, uh, social gatherings. And, and I mean, the rugby, for example, as, <laughs> as a country right now, we all feel so connected because yeah. we have thing that we're so proud of and that you know everyone's just connecting and and there's a lot coming out of that um but also <clears throat> the last two with growth and contribution growth in itself is and that can can be anything in 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 you know networking events and really understanding how important that could be to your social in, uh, your social intelligence um where growth could also be really growing yourself and growing your ability to maybe do public speaking and uh, you know, uh, putting yourself out there, raising your hand and saying, I want to do the next pitch on the next project. Um, and contribution in itself can be anything from charity work, uh, where you're doing something for people uh, other than yourself or your family, um, to contributing to uh, a conversation, contributing to a social setting where you have an opinion and you raise your hand. And so that the human needs really tap into all of these areas of really understanding social intelligence in a, in a whole because uh, you can really apply them in so many um, areas and in so many different contexts that sort of it unpacks and it's a really useful tool to kind of go, okay, cool. If I know that these are the six human needs, how do they really apply in a social setting? Um, and, and how can I apply my own needs into that social setting? Um, and I think that's, you know, really useful tool to actually kind of have in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can go to mysixhumanneeds.com and you can actually go and do an assessment where it will give you um, your own highest need. But I mean, another one, Leonie, that we, we chatted about, which I just want you to touch on as well, is 
transact, uh, transaction analysis. And, you know, uh, I mean, it's a fancy word, but it's really understanding. Uh, well, you tell us what it's about. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's, 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 it brings it all together. And thank you for unpacking the six human needs, because I, again, I think it's so important for us. There are so many aspects that we as humans bring into the room. Um, and it really is our responsibility to know ourselves and to be able to, to regulate and manage ourselves, to be able to show up as the best versions of ourselves, to be able to, to operate in that social environment, right? And then that next level that you've spoken so beautifully to is that, you know, in, in the same way that there's so many things going on for me, there's so many other things going on for, for all of the people in the room. And to be curious and to have empathy and understand that we are all different and the gift that diversity brings us, right? Um, where we don't get stuck in this group thing. But when we open up to how different we are and how, you know, we all have different strengths that we bring to the table and allow people to fully show up in that way and contribute that towards the greater good. For me, you know, that's a that's a winning recipe. Um, and yes, I want to speak to transactional analysis because it is such a simple yet powerful tool um, and a very practical tool to be able to, um, navigate this in, in that social setup where we need to converse and we need to have the difficult conversations or we need to do the conflict resolution <clears throat> or we need to just ensure that we um, we, we delegate effectively or um, that we communicate in effectively in a, in a boardroom environment or with our team members. It doesn't really matter where we use this. Um, transactional analysis, also known as parent-adult child, speaks to the state that we um, step into when we communicate with others, where um, often, um, and I see this a lot with people in more senior positions, where there are a lot of deadlines and there's a lot of responsibility and accountability, um, the way that we typically show up almost is like a critical parent. I'm telling you what to do. I'm quite a dictatorial. I'm quite critical. It's a command and control type of a style. And we will recognize this in ourselves and we'll recognize it in some of our, our, our leaders and, and managers and peers, I'm sure. Um, but what happens when we step into the state is that we trigger the child in the person that's on the receiving end. So now because you are speaking to me like you are my angry mother, I'm going to be reacting like the, <clears throat> um, like the stubborn teenager and going, well, pff, what's the point of me doing it? It's not going to be right anyway. Um, and you And you kind of get that instead of the intention that is step into action and make sure that everything gets delivered and we um, everything is on time and it's all in control what you're meeting as a stubborn teenager in the room and and now it gets very frustrating and, and here conflict starts arising what we need to understand is that <clears throat> this style of communication we learned as children from our parents it comes from a good place where you really want the team or the individual to succeed, right? You're not trying to be horrible and critical. You want them to succeed. You believe that they can succeed. It's almost like a tough love type of a communication style. 
So this isn't about criticizing yourself or feeling horrible about yourself. It's again, it's just the awareness of, oh my greatness, I step into a critical parent when I work with my team members. I need to shift this because it's not going to give me the results that I need. They're going to start acting like stubborn kids that are digging in their heels and um, and not going to be doing what they need to be doing. Um, as we know, there are two parenting styles. So in the same way that we've got the critical parent, we also get the nurturing parent. We see a lot of this parenting style currently. Um, nurturing parent is, hi, shame, foytoch. You can't do this. Let me help you. Um, so they, the, 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 the nurturing parent takes responsibility, tries to get rid of all of the obstacles, really make it as easy as possible, um, and save and save and save and save and rescue, right? What happens, though, when we step into this kind of a management style or communication styles, again, we trigger a child. But this child is the... <clears throat> you know, the free child. It is, I can do whatever I want to. There's no responsibilities, no accountability. And then when the balls drop, I throw up my hands in the air and go, oh, rescue me. And parent, nurturing parent jumps in and rescues, right? Which is also not what we want in a <clears throat> work environment. Um, understanding, again, it comes from a good place. It comes from learned behavior. So it's not about criticizing yourself. It's just about recognizing how does this look like for you? Where do you go? Do you step into child or do you step into parent when you are leading and managing, right? So how do we shift this? First of all, become aware because once it's in the awareness, now we can shift and change it. Um, and then once we are aware, we shift it into an adult, adult style. Now, what does this look like? When we step into the workplace, it's understanding that I have a certain skill set and the people that I work with have a certain skill set. And as human beings, we are equal. So I'm not going to try and rescue you and I'm not going to tell you what to do. We are going to have an equal to conversation where we're going to have an adult adult conversation, which calls you to account, which is very often a coaching style. Instead of commanding and controlling, it's an asking, which allows the individual to, to be empowered, to make decisions, step into action, be responsible and be accountable. Now, often in the workplace, especially when there are big targets, high risk, people prefer to step into a critical parent style because they feel they need to be in control and there is an accountability that they confuse with responsibility. So people tend to you know, come up with excuses as to why in, in my organization or in this industry, this is how it needs to be because otherwise we miss the deadlines and then, you know, people are going to get fired. Um, where understanding that in actual fact you are stealing the opportunity from the staff, the employee, the, the, the people that you are working with for them to step up and own their stuff and grow their career. Stepping into that equal, equal space of fact-based conversation, owning your own emotions, um, having a direct, honest, respectful conversation, often rather asking coaching questions um, and empowering team members is really a way for us to get very fit at and good at social intelligence in the workplace where people can work together, can collaborate towards um, the greater good in the organization. So it's a really practical tool um, to be able to support us in, in that social in, in intelligence. Again, it asks for us to own our own stuff, right? Um, 
and to self-regulate yeah. and to self-master. So, I mean, as you can hear, guys, Leonie and I would, uh, we could sit and talk about this for hours. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, chatting about the work and industry neutral growth skills, there are, I think, two more that we're going to be covering, uh, if, not, if I'm staying corrected. But, I mean, uh, part of this is, um, if I have to take away from today's conversation and, and just listening to transaction analysis again and, and also how the human needs, I mean, they, they so overlap the whole time, you know, when, yeah. you, when you're coming from an adult, adult space, you're, you're creating certainty for people. Um, you're making them significant because, you know, it's immediately you're tapping into the fact that this person is important. Uh, this person's important. We're coming from the right positioning. Um, so I think, you know, to encompass this conversation, I think situational awareness and curiosity really, really stand out for me when it comes to social intelligence, because you have to read the room, you have to understand how do I fit into content in the context of this social setting? How do I fit into that? And, and you know, what are, what, what, are the, what are the strengths that I can leverage, you know, if confidence is one of them, or if, if confidence is something I need to work at, uh, and, you know, then use these tools to be able to, to bring the awareness to the fore, because that in itself will lead the social intelligence within yourself as a primary skill. And the more aware of that you are, of how this impacts your environment, the, the far better you're going to be in the future of work and how, uh, you know, how that impacts uh, your teams, your successes, your abilities, um, why you're the next person for the job kind of thing. That's that's the reason for it. What are your what are your key takeaways from today, Leonie? Yeah, I don't think we need we need to add. I, I think um, you've really taken it together. So I don't want to to complicate it more. I think you've simplified it beautifully. Thank you, Kevin. Guys, so we're going to be chatting about this again in probably another month from now. And uh, yeah, Leonie from uh, Raintree Business Coaching. Thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Kevin. Have a fantastic day. I'll chat to you soon. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.